Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Welcome to today's episode of Growth Island. Today, we're going to talk about light. And I got the pleasure of having Andy Matt in for the interview. He is a biohacker and know a ton of stuff about how to optimize your health. So Andy, welcome so much for the show today. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. So you're sitting down in lovely Australia right now. Yeah, it's I think morning time for, for you or maybe afternoon. And it's getting getting on to sort of quarter past seven in the evening here. So it's... Uh, it's dark and, and, and I know your uh, listeners can't can't see this, but I've got my blue light glasses on because I'm exposed to a lot of artificial light right now. So uh, got to protect my eyes and, and my skin from that. Yeah. So how did you get into this biohacking field? Yeah. So um, many, many years ago, about four or five years ago, I was about sort of, uh, what was it, about 15, 20 kilos heavier than I am now. And a lot of it was down to poor diet. And I went on a, a ketogenic diet, lost a quite a bit of weight, but um, couldn't really get down to the weight that I really wanted to get down to. So that led me to actually move away from looking at nutrition as the only source of, of losing weight and being healthy and actually looking into other factors like um, how light can influence our hormones and our uh, and basically manage our weight. So I stumbled across a guy called Jack Cruz, um, who's quite notorious in the field of um, light and mitochondrial health. And uh, I started to learn about light. I started to wear blue light glasses after dark and started to get a lot of morning sunlight as well. So watching the sunrise to to entrain my circadian rhythms. Um, so and what I found uh, circadian rhythm for the people that don't know what that is. Yeah, so a circadian rhythm is every everything on Earth has a circadian rhythm. And what it means is it's Latin. So circa means about and dian means day. So it means about a day. So it's other words for a circadian rhythm is your body clock or your biological rhythms. So what happens is all of our cells in our body are actually in tune with the spin of the Earth um, and how it rotates. So Everything, every mammal on earth will have this clock. And what it does is it governs when certain hormones should be released, when we should sleep, when we should wake, when we should be active, when we should be relaxed, when we should eat and when we should exercise. So everything um, is governed by this clock. And the clock is actually entrained, which means it's set um, or reset by light and getting light and blocking light at specific times of the day. So that's what a circadian rhythm is in, in a nutshell. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, I um, yeah, so went down the rabbit hole with Jack Cruz and started to find out a lot about light and how it could actually stabilize insulin levels, how it could actually regulate my hormones more to actually facilitate further weight. And I lost a lot of weight and got to the point where I wanted to be. And I've been lifting a lot of weight since and, and got myself in quite good shape by, uh, by managing light as, as well as my diet. And so why is it that light is so important? So let me start sort of back. So I guess a lot of um, my um, dietary sort of exploration led me to a guy called Jason Fung. And Jason is very much a pioneer of the hormonal theory of obesity. 
So he sort of um, talks about how it's not, um, you know, excess calories are kind of a consequence of hormonal imbalance within the body. Jason goes along the lines of suggesting that it's the types of food that we eat that actually cause that hormonal imbalance. But when you look at light, it's actually there's a lot of studies out there that show that light regulates your hormones and in particular hormones relating to stress, hunger and um, satiety. So you've got stress hormones such as cortisol, which is actually spiked by the presence of blue light, which actually is really good during the day. But after dark is is really not good. Um, And if we've got chronically high levels of cortisol, we actually have a tendency to eat more uh, salty, sugary and and fatty foods. When you actually look at leptin and and ghrelin, they're also influenced by light as well. So there's specific times of the day when you should be eating as opposed to, you know, not eating. So the, the theory of sort of weight gain and weight management and health for me is very much a circadian story you know, food can influence it to some degree. But when you actually have a dysfunctional circadian rhythm or or body clock, and your hormones as a consequence will be imbalanced, you're going to have a being healthy and losing weight. So some light is good, some light is bad. Can you kind of give an introduction to that? So you want specific light in the morning, there's something about getting out, getting some sunlight straight away. Can you go a bit deeper about what that actually means? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great question. And as we mentioned earlier, everything's run off our body clock and our body clock is entrained by light. Okay, and specifically how we've evolved ancestrally is we have managed to entrain our clocks through light and dark cycles governed by the sun. So as the sun rises, our ancestors would have been woken up and the first light they would have seen would have been the light from the sun. Now, this light is it's very different to artificial light in so much that The sunlight has the full spectrum and it also has invisible light such as infrared and and ultraviolet light, so UV and IR light. So the first light we see in the morning has to be that rising sun because it contains infrared light, UVC light, UVB light, but also a balance of spectrum of colours of, you know, blue, green, yellow, amber, red, orange, those types of light as well. And what that does is that goes through your eyes and it's it activates something called melanopsin now melanopsin then is it's like a photo trans transmitter so what it does is it takes all the packages of light in the form of photons and it delivers a message to the brain that tells you that it's daytime now when that light gets translated to the brain and tells you it's daytime it will secrete specific hormones such as serotonin which is a neurotransmitter as well, but also something called cortisol. So cortisol we know is the stress hormone, but in the morning when we have that stimulated by the sun, it makes us feel alert and awake and ready to tackle the day. Now, importantly, by getting that morning sunlight, you release something called um, serotonin. Now, later on in the day, in the absence of light... Serotonin is also what you often hear about people with depression, that they have a lack of serotonin. A hundred percent. Yeah. So depression is linked to not being out in that sun. So dopamine and serotonin are released and and given to you by that rising sun and actually being outside. So people that, you know, maybe sleeping in in the morning or not getting up or maybe getting up and looking at their smartphone or laptop first thing in the morning instead of the sun, you're not going to release the serotonin or the or the dopamine. So you're going to have lower levels of well-being in your brain and, and feel good hormones. 
So, you know, you're going to start. How does work like? How fast do you need to see the light? Does it have to be the you, very first thing when you open your eyes? Because that's pretty hard. We're living in our yeah. life. Then you have to live in a hut or something else. Just roll out. For sure. So when you when you wake up in the morning, ideally, like you've got a scale of op- of optimization. If you want to be optimal, you want to be seeing that first thing. So when you've when you've actually entrained your body clock, you won't have to set an alarm to get up with the rising sun. As the light from the rising sun comes through your window in the morning, it's going to hit your skin, it's going to hit your eyes, and you're going to naturally wake up. So you don't want to get up in the morning and flick on a light. You need to wait until that sun rises, and then you need to get out and see that if you want to be optimal. Now, you're going to have a hard time doing that in the winter um, because you guys are moving into your winter now, and your sun probably doesn't rise till, you know, maybe half seven, eight o'clock, and you might need to be up in the morning. So what you need to be doing is, and it's fine to be up before the sun rises, it's totally fine. So you need to protect yourself from artificial light by wearing red lens blue blockers in the morning until that sun rises. And then when that sun rises, get outside. Now, you might have a lot of cloud cover when you're in northern European countries such as Denmark or or other Scandinavian countries at higher latitudes. But that doesn't matter. As long as you're getting out in the sun, the light and... uh, Uh, the the visible and invisible light from the sun is still going to pass through the clouds and it's still going to send the messages to the brain. You just need to be out in it for maybe a little bit longer than you would, say, in the summer months. That's an interesting point. I talked to Dr. Andrew Hill where I was talking Mm. to him about my sleep as well and he was like, as long as you get out, even though you live in Denmark, that is very cloudy and not good weather, you just need to get up and look look up to the clouds. But so if you have to see the sun or natural light as the first thing, How does that go with that you have to sleep in a totally dark room? Because if you sleep in a totally dark room, you won't be able to get the sun in. Then you need to have like automatic curtains or yeah. something like that. Or hundred percent. So I, I'm, I've said this on quite a few podcasts that I've been on. Um, I don't believe in blackout curtains. Now the reason I don't is because exactly the reason you said you can't get that natural light coming through in the mornings. Now I know a lot of people wear like to have the blackout curtains because of street lights and car headlights shining in through the evening. And that's a very valid point because any kind of light that comes in and goes through your eyes at night will actually increase your insulin resistance. And that's been shown in studies. So it's a very valid point. So what I do as a hack is that I actually wear a silk sleep mask over my eyes. And I have covers that I pull up over my body anyway. So my body is protected from the light as well. And I have curtains to a certain extent that black out quite a bit of the light, but there are gaps where, you know, the sunlight can come through in the mornings. Now, when you actually have a a succinct body clock over time, you should wake up naturally anyway in a dark room. Because if you've entrained your body clock long enough and you're getting up with the sunrise every morning, you're going to bed at a regular time or, you know, you're, you're, you're blocking the blue and the green light after dark, your body's rhythms will be so natural and so in sync that you'll probably find you'll wake up at sunrise every morning anyway. So it shouldn't be too much of an issue for those people that live in, say, a really brightly lit street where they actually need blackout curtains. So, yeah, there are hacks to get around that. So I don't think it's too much of an issue if you go with blackout curtains or not. Personally, I wouldn't because I don't have many street lights and it doesn't affect me. So it's all it's all N equals one, which means it's all self-dependent. So I could give one bit of advice to your listeners now. 
but it might not be practical for them. So they have to look at other solutions. So people should never listen to me and be like, no, I'm not using blackout curtains or I'm not using a sleep mask or I am using a sleep mask. They need to kind of look at their situation. So if you've got a really brightly lit street, then blackout curtains are probably going to be your only option. And then you might just need to set an alarm for when the sun rises. I mean, on your smartphone now, you can actually go on and see um, on the weather apps when the sunrise exactly is going to be. So just set your alarm for like maybe five, 10 minutes before then, get up. You don't need to put any lights on, you know, fumble your way outside if it's dark and, and sit down and watch that sunrise. So I think there's ways around it. So you have to be outside. It's not enough to look through the windows. No, it's not enough to look through the windows. And the reason being is if it was enough just to get visible light, it wouldn't be a problem. But you need to be getting invisible light. So you need to be getting that UV and that um, infrared light as well. And that won't pass through the, the windows. So what about I have the Philips wake up lamp, which yeah. means that my room is slowly being lit up when I wake up in the morning. So is that a yeah. bad thing? It's not, it's not optimal, but it's a biohack that you can use. Now, the, the issue with lamps such as that is that, no, number one, you haven't got any invisible light in there, which is going to be a big problem, problem for you. But also, you've got to look at the lux of the light. And is it matching and in line with what the sun is at that time of the year? And I would suggest it probably isn't. Now, your lux is basically a measurement of intensity of light. So what you'll find is, sun during different points of the day will have different intensity so it will start off very low intensity be at its highest intensity in the middle of the day like solar noon and then as you progressively goes towards sunset you will um, have a lower intensity of light now if you get the wrong intensity of light at the wrong time of day that can also destabilize your circadian rhythms which can actually cause something which is referred to in the literature as phase shifting So for instance, if you got up in the morning, your light aside now, so got up in the morning and looked at your iPhone without any kind of blue light filter on it, that has the same color temperature as the sun at midday. So if that's the first light you are seeing, your body is then, your circadian clock is then entrained to think that it's midday. So you probably won't go to sleep at an appropriate bedtime. You probably want to go to sleep at maybe midnight instead of 9 a.m. But you'll also miss out on all the beneficial hormone hormonal triggering that is caused by watching the sun rise and having a lower lux of temperature um color sorry color temperature from the sun so you've got to be very careful with using things like the phillips lamp there that you actually know that it's in line with the intensity and lux of the rising sun in your um in your latitude makes sense so do we have any idea about how much of an impact it does so i, I get i know that's different from every person and um, It's very different for every person. And, and unfortunately, there isn't a huge amount in the literature that um, has done experiments with specific sort of wake up lamps. I think that if if you're in the in, in the morning, if the sun hasn't come up outside, you don't want to be seeing any light. So you only want to be seeing, you know, you, you want to be blocking blue and green light in the mornings until that sun rises. And the only way to do that is to cover up your your skin with clothes and wear red lens blue blockers that block up to 550 nanometers on the spectrum. If you don't do that, then you're not going to sync your uh, circadian clock correctly. And if you're using a wake-up alarm that's slowly rising the sun at a time that it's not naturally rising, then you're not going to be in sync with the spin of that earth. So your body is not going to be optimal. 
So it's actually better to have one of those alarms that listens to my breathing and then tries to wake me up at the right sleep cycle and then wake up in a totally dark room. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it can be totally dark when you wake up, but also you can you can utilize things like red light uh, in the mornings as well. Um, and the reason being that's okay is if you think about it from an ancestral standpoint, our ancestors would have had fires going quite a lot of the time. So even through the night, they would have had fires still lit because of the threat of predators and wild animals that would hunt nocturnally. So when you actually look at the literature, red light, orange, yellow lights, they don't affect melatonin in the same way um, or your other hormones that blue and green light do. So if you wake up in the morning in my bedroom I only, and in my house, apart from my office here, I only have red light and red light doesn't really affect the hormones. So you can still see what you're doing and you don't have to wear your blue blockers. So Red light. So is that from a candle? Or do you get special light no. bulbs or how do we special light. red light? Yeah, yeah. so um, you can, you've got a few options. You can go really sort of extreme and you can just use fire light, but it might be a bit of a hazard. You don't really want to go to sleep with, with fire on. I personally use incandescent red light bulbs. I also have access to halogen light as well. The reason I use that is because it lasts a little bit longer in the light sockets than incandescent. And I don't use LED lights. And the reason I don't use LED red lights is because of the flicker effect. And LED lights pulse light very quickly. And the pulsing of light, regardless of the color, can really influence your hormones. It seems to be, and I don't know why, and it doesn't really clearly state in the literature, but when they do studies with flickering light as opposed to non-flickering light, Flickering light has a greater effect on your hormones than the non-flickering light. So I avoid LEDs where I can. And the what only exception... hormones is the flicker light affecting? It will affect ghrelin, leptin, insulin, pretty much everything that is uh, endocrinology in, in the endocrine system for the humans. Cortisol as well elevates stress hormones. And there's also some theories out there, not solid evidence, that it can actually cause retinal damage as well. So red light in your homes. Absolutely. So the first thing I say is um, you can wear blue light blocking glasses, which is great because people want to watch TV. People want to be on their phones or their laptops. But, you know, at the end of the day, you need to be hacking your environment um, and you need to make sure your your home environment is is completely is completely red and, and devoid of blue and green light after um, after dark. There is actually I was, I was on Extreme Health Radio the other day, which is quite a well-known podcast. And we were talking about uh, red lights. And Justin Stelman, who's the host of that show, has actually found a and tested a red LED light called Sunlight, spelled S-U-N-L-I-T-E. And it's a non-flickering LED red light. So I'm going to do a little bit of research on that and actually try and find out a little bit more and, and share some of that in, in, in the groups and on my social media, because that will be an absolute game changer if you can just fit that in, uh, in all of your uh, light fixtures in your house and You know, like I said, there's only one exception uh, in my house, and that is in this office, which is my Blue Blocks office, because if I have a red light, I can't see the colors of the lenses when I'm shipping them out to, to you guys. So um, it's a bit of a big deal that I need that in here. Yeah, of course. So I actually bought some lights, LED lights that's supposed to be good for your sleep. Some kind of, I don't remember the guy, some doctor who is an expert in sleep that's supposedly something called lightning science. I'll send you a link okay. afterwards. 
future checkers. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. We're supposed to uh, to do the same thing. Something originally developed in collaboration with NASA, uh, NSA, International Space Station, and so on. A lot of good stuff when you hear the the buzzwords. The question is whether it really works or not. But yeah, absolutely. It'd be amazing to test it. And if anything like that, send to me because I've got so many contacts in the industry. You know, we can get a get a a, a unit to them and get them to test it, and we can find out if it's working or not. So you know, that's not that. an because I bought three of those light bulbs. So how do I know whether they're I, working or not, or whether I just bought I have, some good words? <laughs> I have no idea myself, but I have contacts that have thousands of dollars worth of kit that can test flicker rates and uh, spectrum of light in, in specific light devices. So yeah, we, we can get that done, not a, not a problem. Especially Justin Stellman's got contacts as well from uh, from the Extreme Health Radio Show, so you know we can we can get them off to him and get them to test them and and actually figure out what's what's going on and if they claim to do what they say they do. Cool. Well, I'll send that over to you afterwards. That would be super interesting yeah. to figure out. Yeah. So light bulbs, we need to get red light instead. We do. We need to get it in the house, and ultimately, you don't want to be exposed to artificial light during the day as well. That's in that you know, standard LED light range, because at the end of the day, it's not balanced. You know, we need completely balanced light. And the only way you can get that is from the sun. And it doesn't matter if someone brings out a light bulb that has all the colors of the sun and, and has exactly the same color temperature and everything as the sun. If it doesn't have the invisible and visible light in it together, then it's no good for you. It's not going to be optimal and it's not going to entrain your circadian rhythms. And, you know, we also need these things for other other facets of health as well. For instance, there's a lot of um, chatter around using sunscreen and how bad that is for you. And I completely agree. But there's a natural sunscreen that's given to us by nature, and it's called melanin. And it's a pigment in the skin. Now you build up your quantities of melanin in the skin, and you're not going to have a problem in in terms of sunburn, um, which can then obviously lead to cell damage and, and cancer, melanoma. And when you actually watch the sun rise in the morning, the infrared light and the lower levels of UV actually produce melanin in your body, which allows you to stay out in the sun longer during the day. And then there's a really good repair mechanism as well. And believe it or not, it's infrared and near infrared light as well. And do you know what time of the day that that comes out in its strongest? At sunset. So when you've had a day in the sun and you get a bit of UV damage maybe on your skin, People then go inside, don't watch the sun set, and they're missing out on all that restorative, invisible, near-infrared and infrared light that's coming from the sun, and also specific frequencies of red, because at sunset, you get a lot more red light than you do any other color, and it's those frequencies of visible and invisible light that actually repairs UV damage to the skin. So you could, you could wake up late in the morning, go out in the afternoon and sunbathe with sun cream on or, or not, whatever, and then not watch the sunset, and you're going to have a higher incidence of actually getting skin cancer than someone that actually goes out in the morning, gets that UV light to an infrared light to basically spur melanin production, go out and sunbathe during the day, maybe get a little bit pink from all the nitric oxide and, and vitamin D synthesis that's happening downstream from that effect, and then get your sunset light to restore any damage that may have occurred during being out maybe a little bit too long in the sun and not seeking shade. So if you're not getting the full day's worth of sun, you're going to have a problem with not just circadian rhythms, but mismatched diseases from your environment, such as skin cancer. I think that's super fascinating. I've read about that the first time. I think it was Ben Greenfield 
Yes. I wrote one of his. He has some really good blogs, and he was explaining about the importance of getting. I didn't know about the sunset, but I think he wrote about the sunrise, how important that was yeah. in regards to getting sun later on. But it's going to be interesting to see the next couple of years or the coming years in regards to sunscreen, because there's still so much, so much controversy around it. But it seems to be a lot of people think that it is really not good for you to get all that sunscreen on the skin. Yeah, definitely not. And look, you know, chemicals aside, we all know there's a load of rubbish chemicals in in sunscreen. But what you're doing is, in essence, you need to be like our ancestors. You need to be out in that sun without sunscreen because our our ancestors wouldn't have worn clothes on their, uh, you know, over their chests and, and body. They wouldn't have worn sunglasses, which is really bad. And they wouldn't have worn sunscreen you know, and, and th- but they were out, outside all the time and they had the full spectrum of sunlight at various points of the day. And if you're rubbing sunscreen on your body, again, chemicals aside, it's like you're covering up. So you're not allowing, you're not allowing your skin to absorb all that beneficial light, which number one, the UV will be turned using nitric oxide and also cholesterol into vitamin D. But if you've got sunscreen on, you're not going to get any of that going through your skin. So you're going to be vitamin vitamin D deficient. Now, we are. I, I live in Perth in Australia, and we get 300 days of sunshine a year. So 300 days of the year, I can watch the sunrise, no problem. Whether it be winter, summer, we get 60 days with, of cloud and rain. Yet in Perth and in some other cities within Australia, we are, have one of the highest levels um, of people that have vitamin D deficiency. So go figure. It's because we're wearing sunscreen all the time and we're blocking out the uh, sun and we're wearing sunglasses and not allowing the light to go through our eyes. So, you know, if, if, if sunscreen was good and allowed us to synthesize vitamin D from the sun, then we wouldn't have all, uh, you know, these vitamin D deficient people in Australia. And when you actually look at the, the statistics on Australia, we have the highest rates of melanoma as well, which is skin cancer, yet we use sunscreen all the time. So what's going on there? You know what I mean? If if we were, had really high levels of vitamin D and then high levels of melanoma, then we would know something else was at play here. But because we've got very low levels of vitamin D, it shows that we're wearing sunscreen too often when we're outside in the sun, which ultimately is costing us uh, in our health. Interesting point. That, yeah, you should have high vitamin D. So then the question would be, the people that get skin cancer, did they then have low vitamin D as well? I would say, yes, they they would. From the literature that we've looked at, um, a lot of the time they do have very low levels of vitamin D and also quite low levels of cholesterol as well, which is interesting. Yeah. So I think the important thing to note as well that I often, when I discuss this with other people, is they're like, well, you shouldn't just stay six hours out in the sun. And I think that's also a misunderstanding. No one is saying that you should stay yeah. six hours in bright sun. So you shouldn't be lying those two hours straight, just sunbathing. I agree. That's, um, that's this not is what's where, being recommended. Yeah. And a lot of people disagree with me on this, especially the extreme biohackers in the Jack Cruz circle. And I believe I like to look at things as like humans are an animal. So if you look at other animals that active during the day, so diurnal instead of nocturnal, what do they do when it's hot and in the height of the day? They seek out the shade. They lie under a tree or they go into like a cave or a burrow or something like that. And, and they they shelter from the extreme heat. They can still have the light on their skin. Um, they're just not in that direct sunlight. So I'm a firm believer that, you know, the best time for human beings to be active is, you know, a couple of hours up until sunset and also maybe around sunrise. 
And then in the um, periods during the day, being out in the sun, but not always in the direct sunlight. So you don't want to be lying in the sun all, uh, all day. And a very good way to gauge it. So don't wear sunscreen. Go out in the sun. When your skin starts to get a little bit pink, that means you've had enough. So go and seek the shade. You don't need to then put cream on. Go and seek out some shade. And it's that pink sort of color to your skin means that your body has produced as much vitamin D as it, as it can through the nitric oxide. And any more sun is really not going to be beneficial for you. So you, you, there's no need for you to be out in full sun, you know, 12 hours for a day in the height of summer. There's, there's you know, we've got to use common sense as well. Of course. So people might be thinking, okay, so I need a lot of free time to be able to live this life. So what do we do living the busy lifestyles that we do and still block some of this blue light? Yeah, absolutely. So with the sunlight, you don't need to be out in it all day. You just need a couple of minutes of it at specific points in the day. So if you think about it, when you work in an office environment, going outside just to say to your boss, oh, I'm just going out for two minutes to get some sun probably isn't going to fly. But when you actually look at it, and I don't know what it's like in Denmark is in Australia, we have a lot of people that smoke cigarettes and they get to go outside and smoke a cigarette because they can't smoke it indoors. So, you know, even if you have to tell a white lie to your boss and say, well, you know, smokers get to go out. Maybe I'll just go out and hold a cigarette and not smoke it. But then at least you're going out and you're getting that light. So any excuse you can get, just get outside just for a minute or two and then come back in. And that's going to be beneficial. So in terms of blocking blue light, you know, we've mentioned a lot about the sun, which is very important. But when we produce serotonin during the day from natural light, it's that serotonin that's actually transformed into melatonin after dark. And the only way that can happen is in the absence of blue and green light. So what we call the absence of blue and green light is physiological darkness. Okay, so red light, orange light, yellow light, not a problem. But blue and green light is a problem. It's not going to allow you after dark to turn serotonin into melatonin. Now, melatonin is important for two reasons. Number one, melatonin actually relaxes the body. It switches off cortisol production and it gets you relaxed, ready for sleep. The second thing that melatonin is, is it's an extremely powerful antioxidant, the most powerful antioxidant you can, you can possibly have. Now, this goes hand in hand with sleep. So you want melatonin to be produced um, leading up to sleep because sleep is restorative. It's clearing out adenosine in the brain. It's clearing out any waste products, repairing cells. There's a lot of autophagy and apoptosis going on. And you need the melatonin in there as an antioxidant to clear out free radicals um, that have built up during the, um, the day from all the metabolic processes that we're running. So it's very, very important to protect your skin and your eyes from blue and green light after dark. So with the skin, you can do that through wearing clothing. As soon as I finish this show with you, I'll be putting a hoodie on, covering up my neck and making sure I'm not getting any blue and green light to my skin. And then the only way to protect your eyes, which is the main gateway to your pineal gland, which is where melatonin is synthesized, is by wearing blue blocker glasses. Now, what a lot of people don't understand is not all blue blocker glasses are created equal. When you look at the academic literature, you have to block 100% of blue and green light up to 550 nanometers. So, and what does that mean? So the blue light spectrum runs from 400 to 495 nanometers. It's a measure of light. So blue is in a wavelength of 400 to 495 nanometers. You need to block 100% of that. From 495 to 570 
is the green spectrum. The literature clearly shows that every bit of light up until 550 nanometers, so high end of the green spectrum, suppresses melatonin. So you need to be cancelling that light out. Now, if you don't want to wear blue blocker glasses, that's fine, but you cannot look at any blue or green light. So you can't watch TV, you can't be on your smartphones, you can't be on your laptop, you can't have any lights but red lights in your house. That's not going to work for anyone. It's not practical. So you've got to make sure your blue blockers block up to 550 nanometers. And if they don't, then you're wasting your time because even a little bit of that light that's passing directly through your eyes is going to be a problem. Peripheral light isn't a problem because of the way the retina and iris phototransducts through uh, basically IPRGC cells. But we won't go too deeply into that because it's a little bit complex. But that's what you need to be doing. So you need to be looking at companies such as Blue Blocks that actually block their glasses block to a 550 nanometers and 100% of it. And you need to wear these glasses and block that um, skin post-sunset all the way up until you go to bed. And then when your light's off in your bedroom and you're ready to go to sleep, take off your blue blockers and you can go to bed and uh, have a really good night's sleep and then get up in the morning and uh, watch that sunrise. So I actually have a pair myself for, for putting on. And it's a, yep. it's a fun thing, the social situation when you put them on. Yeah. So people, people look at you a bit weird like, uh, is that LG glasses or yeah. what's going on? Yeah, it is funny. We get a lot of questions. Like, I mean, I wear mine outside the house. I mean, the good thing with blue blocks is we we create stylish lenses. Your audience can't see it now, but I've got aviator style glasses on, which are coming out in Jan. But we've got like Wayfarers and a lot of cool styles. So, you know, they just um, they're a good conversation starter. They really are. And no one really takes the mick or, you know, makes fun of me for wearing them. But a lot of people come up to me and say, oh, why are you wearing sunglasses um, in the evening? And then it's a really good conversation starter. And Every time that someone has come up to me and asked this, it's about half an hour later and we're still talking about it and they're so intrigued. And they, they often go out and get themselves a pair of, of glasses as well off the back of it and then comment about how amazing their sleep is after that, um, after that uh, use of, of blue blocker glasses. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Never be afraid to wear them out the house. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, your only option was Uvex which are like safety goggles and you know you wouldn't be seen dead wearing those but you know there's a lot of companies out there now that do really stylish pairs of blue blocker glasses and you know give people the confidence to actually biohack outside the home as well which is equally as important because blue and green light after dark doesn't just exist in your house true and i totally agree it's one of the few things that seems to be doing a, a big difference when i look at my fitbits tracking my sleep in regards to my deep sleep Yes. I'm challenged in regards to getting enough deep sleep. But it seems that I'm getting a little bit more when I'm wearing my, my glasses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And just, just sort of have a look at your um, Fitbit as well and make sure it's not pulsing green light into you. I know some people have said that um, green light is given out um, from the Fitbit, so a lot of them take them off, off after dark because obviously that's going to impact your circadian rhythms as well because there's melanopsin in the skin. Yeah, so I ordered the Aura Ring. Yes, good man. I have one as well. Especially because the, the Fitbit is emitting some light and whether it's actually having a negative effect. So it's going to be super interesting when I get my Aura Ring, which yeah. as far as I understand, don't emit the same kind of light. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, um, it's run off infrared light. So there's no, no issues with that. And it also sends information to your phone via, via Bluetooth. So I just have Bluetooth switched off because it's a non-native EMF, which is really not good for mitochondria. And then once a day I'll, or once every couple of days, whenever I want to look at it, 
I'll take my ring off and then it will just send the data to my phone and then I can switch Bluetooth back off again. So yeah, it's really a game changer or a ring. And yeah, I, I actually um, work quite closely with, um, with Chuck Hazard, who's uh, the CFO of, of Aura. So obviously he, he wants me to, to wear his, his, his products because they work very well with blue blocker glasses. So if, if anyone contacts you and, and wants a discount, we can sort them out just because we, we, we know Chuck well. So, you know, feel free to for people to reach out. We can do that for them as well. But yeah, really good. I'm really pleased with mine and wouldn't live with without it. And it's really interesting because, you know, it's not just light that influences your sleep as well. It's meal timing. So I don't eat after dark because I find that if I eat after dark, I get lower readings of deep sleep and REM sleep and my heart rate remains elevated for quite a while. So, you know, it's really good to use just to, you know, look at your circadian eating patterns, look at when you exercise and look at your light management as well. And there's lots of experiments you can do with it because it gives you the data and, you know, you can really test on yourself and biohack everything to do with your sleep and health through Aura. So, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. How much deep sleep do you get in average? Uh, yeah, so I, I typically get about 25% of my sleep time is is deep sleep and about uh, probably about 20 to 30 percent uh, is REM sleep as well my wife gets the same so it really it's really dependent on each individual I think that deep sleep is is one thing that is on a scale I think that if you are sitting around and having a, a late um, but you're eating well you're going to produce a lot less adenosine which is the byproduct of adenosine triphosphate which is APT ATP, sorry, which is what we run all of our metabolic processes off. And that builds up in the brain. And it's deep sleep that actually clears that out of the brain and gets us back to square one for the morning. So, you know, you're going to get more deep sleep if you're running a marathon that day, as opposed to sitting at a desk job. So I wouldn't be too caught up about, oh, I only got 15% deep sleep tonight, you have to judge it on what your activity level was in that day as well. Because, you know, it's it's not like I need specifically this amount each night. It's a sliding scale depending on how active you are. So, you know, my advice to people is don't get obsessed with what Aura Ring's telling you. Just use that data critically and look to and don't look at it as a be all and end all because you'll develop something called orthoinsomnia, which is a new disease, which is the obsession of sleep tracking devices. And it's causing people to have bad sleep because they're so stressed about the uh, and anxious about the results that their rings and uh, their uh, Fitbits are giving them. So, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, something to watch out for. But I definitely, I was actually thinking about it yesterday because I tried to eat early as well. Yes. So to get more deep sleep. Yep. And I was in a situation yesterday in meeting up with a friend, but that would mean that I was going to be eating later. Yeah. And I was Sometimes. like, okay, yeah, exactly. am I really not meeting up with my friend because I need to get food first? Or am I probably going to be all right the next day, even though I might not get as much deep sleep? So I think yeah. you're very right. Like that balance of not overanalyzing and over worrying so it doesn't oh, affect your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And look, we, we live in the 21st century and you're going to be a weirdo if you don't do some of the things that, you know, the masses do. And look, it was my best friend's birthday on Saturday night and I am religious when I eat and I don't drink. But you know, it's my best friend's birthday. It was a milestone birthday. He came around, we watched the football and I had a few beers with him, put a pizza in. And yeah, I had shocking night's sleep that night, but that was one night out of probably a month for me. And, you know, I'm not going to miss those, those amazing milestones and celebrate those things with my friend. And, you know, we've got to be real. And there's a lot of really extreme biohackers out there and respect to them for doing it. 
but you know it's not for everyone and this is the whole reason i founded blue blocks was i wanted to give people something that they could wear in comfort in style not feel self-conscious and not have to turn off the tv and their smartphones after dark because we live in the real world and we need this amazing technology we just need to biohack it um so that was my mantra with things you know let's not beat ourselves up let's live you know 90% of our time in sync with nature and um circadian rhythms but that other 10% of the time if there's a big event don't get beat up about it if you have to eat late once every couple of weeks um do it you know it's it's going to be fine we all know that we live a healthy life when we're biohacking um, and, and, and and meeting our individual needs that if you have that one night or one day where you need to come off the wagon and you need to do something that's just normal do it i'm all for it it's great for you it's 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 going to keep you focused for longer and it's going to keep you sane as well so you know i'm all for that i'm all, all for being real So how do people find out more about Blue Box? So what you guys are doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first port of call for people is to join our group on Facebook which is Light and Health. I think there might be a couple of groups with a similar name, but when you go on there it will say a group by Blue Blocks. Um and we got about 6000 people added in the Yeah. I'll add it in the show notes. So Amazing. Yeah. And that's a really good a really good platform. So I post um, maybe three or four times a week in there, but we also have a lot of active members that post a lot of questions. So a lot of people that want to find out more can come here without being shot down when they ask a question. And we've also got some really really solid biohackers in there that will ask questions as well. People like Nathan Wolls, you know, we've got people in there like um, Matt Blackburn, we've got people like Doris Lowe, And, and a load of other Chuck Hazard for the Aura Ring is in there, and a lot of these people will ask answer your questions as well. So we have got a really tight community in there, and one that really has a respectful nature. So if you have a what a lot of people might think of a, of as a stupid question, there's no such thing as a stupid question in our group, and we will answer it for you. If people want to find out about Blue Blocks, I post sometimes a little bit about Blue Blocks in there. Not often; it's only if there's milestone stuff. But you know, come to our Instagram, come to our Facebook page. Um, I'm on LinkedIn myself, and I post a lot of a lot of studies on there. But you know, if you want to see the glasses, then jump on our website, blueblocks.com, or just Google Blue Blocks. We'll we'll come up top in the search. But you know, ultimately, my first port of call for for your listeners would be the Light and Health Group, and let them find out on their own about how light is used for health. And then, if they want to ask more questions about how to manage that light, then they can look at um, Blue Blocks because you know we wouldn't want to sell products to people that don't understand it. Come and learn first, and then if you feel you need the product, come and speak to us. Cool. And you guys are collaborating with different partnerships. Something about Australian football team. Yeah. Some quick comments about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in November 2018, sorry, 2017, and that was last year, I got approached by um, the head of sports science, the Socceroos, which is the Australian national soccer team, football team. I don't know what you call it in Denmark football, is it? Football. Good, good. That's how it. That's what it should be called. But I have to call it soccer in Australia because football is. Uh, a ball with an egg like an egg-shaped ball so anyway um they approached me and they wanted me to write a study for them on how to mitigate jet lag and improve performance for their world cup qualifiers against us so we wrote a paper for them on how to manage it and they then purchased our glasses our red lens sleep plus glasses to use to manage their um jet lag and performance so what they did was they worked with a company as well called Retimer 
And Retimer um, are like the opposite to blue blocks. They deal with glasses that pulse blue and green light into the eyes. And what that does is that keeps people awake when they're on flights. So they use these glasses on their flight from Sydney to Honolulu in Hawaii to keep them awake. And then when they were in Hawaii, they took the retimer off and put blue blocks on so they could sleep on the flight to um, Honduras. They got to Honduras. They drew nil-nil, I think, in Honduras, which was a good, good result. Then they did the opposite. So when they landed in Sydney, they had two days to recover. So they wore blue blocker glasses from blue blocks in the evenings, which re-synced their circadian rhythms quicker. Um, They also got morning sun in Sydney as well upon our advice. And then they went in and, and won their World Cup qualifier and went to the World Cup. So that's a really good testament to how you can actually sync your circadian rhythms and actually increase sports performance from actually managing light. Yeah, so that's super fascinating. And I think a lot of the biohacks often are being used in sports first. They are, yes. They seem to be, because um, they use, they want to gain that extra bit of, you know, extra tiny fraction of performance. They they come out to sort of alternative practices to um, to, to discuss alternative ways of doing it. And it was um, a really good testament to how you could actually manage light to, to increase performance. And um, yeah, it was great working with them. So Andy, there's so much to discuss and I love that you know so much, but we have to round off as well. And I can see I could continue talking to you for hours. Yes. Hopefully I'll get a chance to go deeper with you again another day. Oh, absolutely. But if you had to give one to three recommendations to anyone listening, what would that be? Yeah, absolutely. So the first recommendation is watch the sunrise every morning, get outside. Um, So that's number one. Two, make sure you invest in a good quality pair of blue blocking glasses for after dark. So make sure they block up to 550 nanometers. Blue Blocks does that, but there are a couple of other companies that do it as well. So get whatever style and and company suits your needs the best. And the third one as well is just eat a good quality seasonal diet as well. And that includes eating more fish when there is less sunlight present. So you guys are going into the winter. So eat more fish because you get more vitamin D. Perfect. And where can people find you afterwards? What's the best place? Connect on LinkedIn, Instagram? Yeah, everywhere. So we are present on Instagram, Facebook. Connect with me personally if people want to. I think I'm close to the friend requests. But my profile is completely um, open, so you can follow me as well and see all my posts. But Light and Health is the best one. I'm active in there and I'll answer any of your questions along with the amazing people that are in that group as well. Perfect. Andy, thank you so much. That was super inspirational. I learned a lot. And I'm sure the listeners out there did as well. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.